Let me begin by wishing you a happy Palm Sunday and also a happy first day of spring uh, as there is snow in the forecast this afternoon. Uh, As we begin, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, on August 28th, 1963, some 250,000 people traveled to the National Mall for the March on Washington. And all accounts, uh, including those of several of your fellow church members, report about the immensity of this historic gathering, the largest single gathering of people in U.S. history. In an interview with uh, Time Magazine, one man reports that it was a beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky, and as far as the eye could see, there were just people. Another woman uh, puts it this way. She says that the, the roads and the streets were so full of people that moving through them felt like moving through a giant glacier. When you looked around, all sorts of people attended, rich and poor, rural and urban, even young mothers and their children. But it wasn't simply uh, the people who attended this day that made the event so exciting. It was the spirit with which they gathered. See, change was in the air. Some people say you could almost taste it. Now, it started slowly at first, a sit-in here or, or a, a gathering there. But over time, people began standing up for the rights of all people. And the watershed moment came just 79 days before this historic event. President John F. Kennedy took to the radio and he addressed the nation. He called on Congress for civil rights legislation, a bill that would give all Americans the right to eat in public restaurants sit on public buses, and receive a public education. Now, a decade earlier, uh, no one would have seen this coming, but change was in the air, and it seemed unstoppable. That's why so many Americans packed up their things and traveled to the National Mall for the March on Washington, and as they did, there was this sense of hope and excitement that maybe, just maybe, things would be different. See, when I picture this scene from the 1963 March on Washington, I often picture this other scene, the scene from 2,000 years ago, the scene of Jesus' Palm Sunday procession. Because the parallels are, are eerily similar. You see, it was the week before Passover. And just like that hot August day, all those years ago, some 250,000 people pack up their things and travel to the nation's capital. They travel to Jerusalem to celebrate this religious festival. And so that's why the city's packed full of people. In just a few days, it's nearly quadrupled in size, and so there's barely room to sit or stand. And when you look around, you can see all sorts of people, rich and poor, rural and urban, even mothers and their children. But it isn't just the people who gather here that draw a parallel to this other event. It's a spirit that's in the air, a spirit of hope, a spirit of change, a spirit that's fueled by the cause for which they gather. And that cause is Passover. 
See, Passover isn't just another religious festival. It isn't just another opportunity to get together with family and friends and worship God. Passover is the religious festival. I mean, it's central to who you are and the hope you have, the hope that God is faithful. And so as you gather in this city, that's what you remember. You remember that God is faithful and that he rescues his people. I mean, that's what he did all those years ago. That's what he did back when they were slaves in Egypt. And today, that's the hope you have, the hope that God still rescues his people. And you're ready for rescuing. I mean, you're ready for an end to this Roman occupation because they love rubbing it in your face. I mean, they love putting you in your place. But today, there's this spirit in the air, a spirit of change, a spirit that's fueled by the cause for which you gather. And that's what makes Jesus' Palm Sunday procession just so exciting because it's finally happening. I mean, God's finally doing it. Standing in the eastern gate of the city, you, you look up and you see him coming. And it's exactly like the prophets have been predicting. I mean, he starts on the Mount of Olives and he rides to you on the back of a donkey. Now, it's a slow procession, but as he comes closer, the people begin to take off their coats. They put them on the ground in front of him out of a sign of respect. They're shouting and singing, rejoicing and dancing. It's this incredible event, unlike anything you've ever seen before. And that's why it's so easy, so obvious to praise Jesus. You never would have thought that just five days later, your praise would fade away. Well, some of you may know, back when I was in seminary and college, I had an eclectic set of jobs. For a number of years, I worked in the children's department of a public library. After graduation, I was a preschool aide in a daycare classroom. But my favorite job has got to be, uh, the summer I worked as a home aide, uh, for a young man with muscular dystrophy. See, his name was uh, Mike. He was the second of five children. And at the time, he was just a few years younger than I was in his very early 20s. Mike, he lived at home uh, with his parents, with his mother. Her name was Sandy, and she was his primary caregiver. And that's why in the summer of 2010, when she was looking for a little bit of help, I interviewed with her. And I got the job, and over the course of that summer... I got to know Sandy pretty well. So I learned that uh, at the time, she was just a, a few years younger than I was when she and her husband started having children. And you can certainly imagine the kind of things that uh, they would have prayed for along the way. And things like a, a safe pregnancy and a, a quick delivery. And that's why they were so excited when Mike was born, because here was this beautiful little baby boy. I mean, he had ten fingers and ten toes. They brought him home from the hospital, and that's why they praised God. That's why they gave thanks to him. You see, all that uh, began to change when Mike entered the sixth grade. Uh, He started having trouble walking, and and it was subtle at first, Uh, but Sandy did what any good parent in her place would do. She took her son to see the doctor, 
And the doctors, uh, they performed a number of tests. They drew some blood. And finally, they came to the diagnosis. Mike has muscular dystrophy. I'll never forget uh, how Sandy would talk about that moment. I mean, the doctors came up to her and said, you know, his muscles are going to get weaker and weaker. At first, he's going to need crutches and then a wheelchair. And while there's all sorts of things that we can all do, muscular dystrophy is a lifelong terminal illness. See, that summer, uh, Sandy taught me that it's easy to praise God when the wonderful things happen. It's easy to praise God when, when you bring your baby home from the hospital. But when the wonderful things begin to fade away, it's all too easy for our praise to fade with them. I remember how Sandy, who's got to be one of the strongest Christians I've ever met, would talk about this. I mean, she'd talk about how it was so easy to praise God when they brought Mike home from the hospital. And then this one morning, uh, she says to me, but Steve, I had no idea what was going to happen. And it's not to say that I I don't love Mike. It's not to say that I, I don't give thanks to God for him. It's just to say that sometimes it's hard to praise God. Maybe you've been there before. I mean, maybe you know what it's like to praise God amidst the high moments of life, to praise God when you earn the big promotion or you finally get the job you're looking for. Maybe you know what it's like to praise God when you and your spouse got engaged, when you brought that baby home from the hospital, just like Sandy did all those years ago. Because it's easy to praise God when the wonderful things happen. But when the wonderful things begin to fade away, It's all too easy for our praise to fade with them. That's what happened to that crowd outside of Jerusalem. I mean, their praise fades away. Sometimes our praise fades too, but that's why Jesus has to enter this city. And that's why he goes to Jerusalem. He goes because even though our praise fades away, he remains committed to us. I mean, he's committed to us when he, he sends those two disciples ahead of him to arrange for the donkey. He, he remains committed to us when he rides on its back into this city, knowing that he's going to die. I mean, when the wonderful things of this world fade away, the only thing that's left is Jesus. You see, that's why we praise him today and and all the days that follow. Because even when our praise fades away, Jesus remains devoted to people like you and me. Well, shortly after the March on Washington, uh, the tragedy struck. Some of you may know this story. Uh, The people had packed up their things and headed home. And then 18 days later, there was a tragic bombing in a little church in Birmingham, Alabama. Six girls died on a Sunday morning. It was a sad and, and terrible event following the march. And just when you'd think that these people would fade away Dr. King spoke to a crowd of mourning onlookers in Birmingham. He said this to them, In spite of the darkness of this hour, we must not become bitter. And he told people about Jesus. 
And several minutes later, he concluded his remarks by telling them that even though life is hard, we never walk alone. And even though his words were spoken some 50 years ago, his words, his promise is the same promise that Jesus makes to people like you and me, that even when the wonderful things of this world fade away, we never walk alone. We never walk alone because Jesus is committed to us. And that's why Christians around the world, Christians like you and me, Christians for the past two millennia, are able to praise and worship Jesus through the good times and the bad, both this day and for all the days that will follow. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.